Hello, welcome to the Cinema Crew. Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. Tony Collette stars in what has been called the scariest movie of the year. I didn't know we were in Christmas. Were we good? <laughs> what happens when you get Dame Judi Dench and Dame Maggie Smith in the same room? In three and a half weeks, the Met will be hosting its annual ball. And we are going to rob it. It's out with Pitt and Clooney and in with Bullock and Blanchett. We look at Hollywood's all-female reboot of the Oceans franchise. That's this week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Cannot wait to see Ocean's 8. Hello, hello, hello. My name's Kyron Wheatley. I love a good movie and hate a bad one. So each week I'm joined by film buffs to help sift through what's on offer. Now you have a PhD in film, Vari, so I'm sure it will never get to this. But if you could plan a heist to steal anything, what would it be? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, probably just something really chocolatey. <laughs> just a big ball of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> And Cambo, you've worked everywhere in village cinemas, so large popcorns aside, what yeah. would you plan to steal in a heist? Look, if, if I absolutely had to, there's something I've always wanted myself, and it gets dragged out of every comic book convention. It's a, a copy of Action Comics number one. The first appearance of Superman. That thing is worth almost $4 million. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. How much is your ball of chocolate worth? <laughs> uh, a lot more. 4.1. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Think about that yourself and keep listening. We've got your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass a little later on. She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Who's going to take care of me? You don't think I'm going to take care of you? But when you die. Ari Aster is, I think we can say, an unknown director and an unknown writer. But The New Yorker has managed to get some very well-known names into his horror mystery hereditary in Gabrielle Byrne, who you might recognise as Keaton in The Usual Suspects, and Tony Collette, who we recognise as we walk down the street because it's our Tony. So, Cambo, is this a film we should know about? This is a film you should absolutely see, but the less you know about this movie the better it is. I thought I knew a little bit, and it turns out I didn't. What did you know? So I'm going to give you the real bare bones about what this is about. And so Tony Collette, her mother passes away, and her mother's kind of the matriarch of the, the Graham family. And after she dies, Tony Collette starts to realize there's more to her family's history or hereditary, if you will, than she initially thought. And things get very, very spooky. Yeah, can I just say I was so scared. I was, <laughs> it's so scary. I was literally whimpering it's and crazy. wringing my hands. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one for scary films. Is this going to be beyond my realm of interest? So Like a Quiet Place, the movie that's kind of currently still playing, monsters can't see but they can hear you, very kind of spooky movie. Yeah, I loved that. I yeah, really loved story. that. Similar to that, it kind of transcends the genre that it's in. You know, horror gets really bogged down in bad horror movies and occasionally when a really, really great one mm. comes along, you realise, oh, no, this is a genre as good as any other. These, both of the horror movies, this one, Hereditary, is a good story. It's a good, solid story with some really good characters. It's about a family, the family unit, which is highly dysfunctional, um, and how their tragedy and their grief plays out. 
Um, this film is something that plays as a dramatic narrative, but it slowly turns into something else. Yeah, transitions, doesn't it? It yeah. starts as kind of like a, a family drama. Mm. And slowly, and you kind of don't really notice the changes. There was one here, one there. Yeah. And by the end, this film is nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. I reckon about halfway through, it really hits the fan, and every five minutes there's something scary. It's like being on a oh. roller coaster, and you've got that slow... Yeah, um, I don't like roller coasters. Up to the top, <laughs> and then it just falls, and then there's just up, down, up, down, up, down. Well, the, the reason the I like The Quiet Place is because it's not really about the scares. The, they, yeah. the scares happen, they create the world and the tension that mm. the story plays out in. Yeah. And Because I, I don't know if I love films that are really about the scares. Is Which category does yeah. this fall into? There is a very careful manipulation of tension in this. But then there's also a lot of callbacks to classic horror tropes, yeah. like The Exorcist. There's floating bodies, Ouija boards, um, Satanism, all that classic horror tropes. But then there's also something new and terrifying, like decapitated bodies and things like that. And I think much like A Quiet Place wasn't about the monsters that can't hear, it was about the family trying to survive. Mm. This movie isn't about demons and ghosts. It's about a yep. family unit and what happens when it's struck with tragedy and mm. the idea of family. Yeah. And it just throws some some of the most unsettling imagery I've seen in a while. Yeah. This isn't a movie for everyone, I will say. Don't take your kids. Definitely oh don't take your kids. <laughs> no. And it's a little bit of a, a slower burn than, say, like a Friday the 13th or something like that that's kind of hash, hash, slack, slack. Slack, that's not worse. <laughs> slash? Slash. I think you're thinking of slash. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Ari Aster's first film. Yeah. And that's so infuriating yeah. that he's so good right away. Well, that was going to be my question. A writer-director. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that puts me off. Sometimes I go like... Oh, could he not get anyone else to make his movie as a writer? <laughs> but did he pull it off? Yeah, definitely. And um, also the daughter of the family, Millie Shapiro, is this is her first major yeah, right. movie role. And she does a brilliant job. She's just, it's very quiet and it's, it's all in her face and her mannerisms. And, and a lot of the times, child actors... They sometimes have a reputation of being a little annoying or, or, mm-hmm. or maybe not yes, being yes. the best actors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've not met a more disturbing young girl <laughs> than Millie Shapiro in this movie. She's yeah. so unsettling. And then you go yeah. and you YouTube an interview with her later and she couldn't be more opposite. It's amazing that she managed to transform herself like this. Yeah. Each of the family members has a different level of psychotic. Yeah, right. So the father is this long-suffering, gentle man. Yeah, I can relate. And, yeah, I think the audience is probably attracted to him the most because he's the most relatable going through this trauma. Same. Then there's the teenage boy who, at the beginning, is a bit hesitant to believe any of these scary things are happening, and then he gets drawn into it. The child is quietly creepy the whole movie, and Tony Collette is just ballistically crazy. (laughs) Let's talk about Tony Collette. How is she in this film? I want her to get some kind of nomination. The stuff that she has to go through yeah. emotionally, psychologically, physically in this movie is crazy. It's the best I've seen her in year, maybe ever. All right, so who should see this film? Anyone who loves Tony Collette. That's me. If you want to see her go from Little Miss Sunshine to Satanist Cult. Okay, that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone who wants to be scared because you mm-hmm. will be having nightmares about this after. And absolutely. And there's even a, another audience I think you're going to love this that you might not consider. There's a, The company that released it is A24. 
and they do kind of smaller, crafted, director-driven... Yeah. Small budget things. The Disaster Artist, Ex Machina, Room. They're really good at making intimate, small... The small budget dr- films and the But they're of... very original, very creative, and if that's your Probably thing... Probably because of the budget. Because, and I think that's exactly their plan. The smaller the budget, the more creative you have to get. Mm. And if you're into those kind of movies, something a little original, maybe a little smaller and a little more uh, crafted... This movie is one of the best examples that I've seen in a, in a long, long time. Yeah, I love or, it. Or if you want to see a headless body, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> <a> no. <laughs> we all just thought we were going to be stage actresses. I think I met you, Mags, in about nine, 1958. What happens when you put Dame Maggie Smith, Dame Judi Dench, Dame Joan Plowright and Dame Eileen Atkins in a room? No, really, what happens? Because from what I can see, that's what this film is. It's hilarity. Uh, Tea with the Dames <laughs> is a documentary about the lives and times of these dames. And these four acting greats' friendship goes back more than half a century. They've been meeting at this country cottage to catch up for quite some time. What? And so now- this isn't a construct for the film. This is something no. they do. Yeah, they yeah. actually meet up. And this time they've invited cameras and an audience to watch them. It's so... Damn delightful. It's it's like a little ray of sunshine for 90 minutes. You get to watch these these like these amazing women just yeah. chat about their careers and their lives. I love that the same week that hereditary is released, <laughs> like an awful horror, like nightmare of a film. You've also got tea with the day. Yeah. You definitely like, need to see this after hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> Calm you down a little antidote. And so Vari, we see a lot of films together, and obviously we yeah. saw this together. I've never heard you chuckle so much in a movie <laughs> as you did in Tea with the Days. Yeah, I love these actors they are hilarious and when you get older british people in a room together they just get really sassy <laughs> yeah so i love it so dame maggie smith we know yep dame judy dench we know yeah who is dame joan plowright and who is dame eileen atkins so joan yeah. plowright um i suppose originally she she was a theater actress but she was well known in the 60s uh, for being also the wife of Laurence Olivier and yeah. appearing in a lot of his stuff as well, of yep. you know, the famous Shakespearean actor. And they do go into that a little bit about her relationship being mm. married to such a, a huge famous actor like Laurence Olivier. And they even delve a little bit into his questionable version of Othello. <laughs> One of the last films she did was in the Spiderwick Chronicles. Yeah. She was also the nanny in the 101 Dalmatians, the live <laughs> yeah, action. Yeah, she was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what about Eileen Atkins? Who's Dame Eileen Atkins? She's been in Doc Martin. She played Queen Victoria in The Crown, the mm. recent television series. Yeah, she's she's really big in the English kind of BBC drama world. Mm. Uh, so yeah. whereas Judi Dench and Maggie Smith have gone a little bit more, I suppose, like Hollywood. Hollywood with like Harry Potter and James Bond. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she is like the the... English BBC high drama actors. Yeah. yeah, you might not know their names, but you'll know their faces. I yeah. think between them they've been in like every single British movie, <laughs> television, yeah. theatre. And they're all dames. All so. of them, yeah. yeah. And they were all in Tea with Mussolini um, yes. and those old old British films. They're all in those. Yeah, right. um, I think most of them were in the Is Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Is that why it's called called Tea with Hotel? the Dames? Because Tea with yeah. Mussolini? Yeah, I, I, I think Maybe? so. It's only called <laughs> Tea with the Dames in, in Australia. It's oh, one of those right. films that weirdly is renamed. Named here, yeah. Nowhere else. Everywhere it's called nothing but nothing like nothing a like a dame. And so, obviously, when you're watching movies, you, you want to kind of take some notes and, and know what you're going to talk about. And the top note I have just says Maggie Smith MVP. <laughs> She's such good <laughs> quality so in this sassy. movie. <laughs> she has long since 
stopped caring about what she says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she seemed to have a problem with one of the camera guys because you, you get a lot of the, the production crew as well. And he kept um, taking pictures of her, um, not her best side. She was like, I think you've had enough photos. Um, you can sit down now. I feel like the studio might have missed a trick by not releasing this at Mother's Day. Does this feel like a film that it's, you know, to see with your mum? Yeah, I think so. They kind of delve into the their families. There's a few pictures of them when they were younger with their children and their husbands. But what I like is actually that they don't focus on that. A lot of documentaries about women, for some reason, will always go into their family mm. um, and who they're married to and things like that. And they don't focus on that at all. It's really about these women's lives and their friendship. There's a certain expectation of what a movie like this might be or might appeal to. I had such a great time with this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what's interesting to me about this is that these women have been through so much and done so much. Oh, absolutely. Their careers careers have spanned such a history of theatre and film. Um, The documentary is also intercut with a lot of archival footage. So you see a lot of black and white um, footage from when they were teenagers and they were doing theatre uh, right up until your Harry Potter and, and Bond. And this movie isn't just like an ad hoc, let's run some cameras. This is directed by Roger Mitchell, who directed Notting Hill. Yeah, like right. it's, it's got a proper director behind it. It's a proper production. And I know a lot of documentaries try and make you feel like you're there, but this movie honestly kind of does feel like you're sitting around chatting yeah. to these ladies. Yeah, it was very candid. They were very aware that it was a setup, even though these ladies do meet for tea or they yep. popped a bottle of champagne actually yeah. at one point, um, that this <laughs> is set up, but you really get this backstory to their careers and their lives. And that's what's interesting. I think a lot of audiences do want to see what happens behind the camera and who these people are, because you know them so well from all these movies you've seen them in, but you don't know who they are as a person. Yeah, I thought this looked a bit dull, but you are convincing me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what? So like, what actually happens in this film? Do they literally just sit around and talk? Is it like anything that we've seen before? You know, I I'm, I'm racking my brain, and mm. I don't know if it is like anything else I've really no. seen. It, it's it's not structured like a movie. You know, there's no inciting incident and a big conflict and a bad guy or anything like that. It's just this lovely afternoon tea yeah. that you're invited to. Well, it sort of sounds yeah. like what we're doing right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bit just sitting around talking. Sounds like a podcast. Yeah. They're reviewing themselves. <laughs> yeah. So who should see this film? I think, you know, this film skews a little older with its demographic, but don't discount that you will like it as well. well I mean, I'm, I'm a 27-year-old guy. I love <laughs> Marvel movies and I love all that. I had such a great time with this movie, but there's nothing better than seeing some old ladies curse. Yeah. <laughs> I think actors would enjoy it as well. Oh, yeah. Because they give some acting background, maybe some tips and tricks in there as well. Um, so that's interesting. And anyone who's seen and loved these actors in their movies and TV shows and want to know the person behind the character. Mm. Well, that's me. Just quickly, also in cinemas this week, Solo, a Star Wars story. I saw this the other day. Have you guys seen it? Not yet. Actually, Not yet? No. You haven't seen it? No. That's crazy. Everyone's seen it. <laughs> oh, <oops. laughs> well, let's keep this spoiler free then, but what did you think, Cambo? I thought it was heaps of fun. I, I was shocked how much I enjoyed it. I, I think if you're into heist films like The Oceans, then you might like this too. Yeah. Like It's, yeah, a, it's an excellent heist film. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Space train heist. What, yeah. what, what can't you like? Yeah. <laughs> So you want to hit a jewellery store? Not exactly. A diamond mine. Yes, that's exactly right. Or what? The Met. 
The first Ocean's Eleven came out in 1960. Starred Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack, and they were running around Vegas trying to rob five casinos in one night. And it was such a good idea that in 2001, Steven Soderbergh, the director, rounded up George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, and a bunch more for a remake. And since then, we all know we've had Ocean's 12 and 13. So now we have eight, Vari. Yeah, so Ocean's 8 follows eight women as they attempt to steal a necklace worth $150 million from the Met Gala. This is well-timed because the Met Gala was just 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's got lots of famous people. There's a long list of big star names in this movie. Let's roll them off. Who we got? Uh, so we got Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Rihanna, Helena Bottom Carter, Sarah Paulson, Katie Holmes, Dakota Fanning, Olivia Munn, Aquafina. It's just a cavalcade of who's who. That's a lot of money to bank on a film for the studio. They were expecting it to be a big success, Cambo. I mean, if you look at the history of the Ocean's films, I would say yes, because they are huge money makers. Uh, the the original trilogy of Ocean's films were Rocho's biggest films for years and years, all through the 2000s. So it's like it's another Ocean's. It's just another Ocean's. Yeah, so there was a bit of backlash when the movie was first announced about remaking it with women. And I kind of see their point. It's kind of like what they did with Ghostbusters. Um, And they just remade a movie that's already dominated by men Mm. again with women. And why don't they just make an original movie with all these famous actors in it? Uh, There's a reason for this. And to to the best of my knowledge, this is what I imagine it is. You can make an original heist film with an all-female cast and it can be as good as you'd like. But if you slap a recognisable brand name, like oceans in front of it, there must be all kinds of statistics and, and, and marketing data that would tell you people are already interested in this. People know what it is. You don't have to explain it to people. And your example yeah. of Ghostbusters, it's true. You could have made an original movie about four female scientists going into supernatural surroundings, and they did, and it was called Annihilation and nobody saw it. <laughs> yeah, that was straight to Netflix. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what, don't it, you think... I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, that's a really exactly. good movie. Exactly. <laughs> if they had have rebranded that as a Ghostbusters movie, it probably would have done quite well. Don't yeah. you think the cast list just sells itself, though, with all those famous actors in it already? I mean, possibly, but you see other movies like Steven Soderbergh did the original Oceans. He did an original heist movie last year called Logan Lucky, and it had Channing Tatum and Adam Driver and quite a big cast, and it didn't do any money. Yeah, but, I mean, that cast is okay, but it does not come up against Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock and Helena Bonham Carter and Rihanna. Yeah. And, in fact, I have some statistics about this cast. Uh, Between the eight main cast members of Ocean's 8, you've got four Oscars, two Emmys, eight Grammys, six Golden Globes, five BAFTAs, and ten SAG Awards. Okay. So... Yep, they've earned it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe that proves Vari's point that it would work anyway. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I, I, I think I agree with you, Vari. I don't know that yeah. if you get that cast list together and uh, uh, any old heist movie. Like, there are other heist movies than Oceans. Mm. But have any of them done as well as Oceans? No. <laughs> $16.5 million in each of your bank accounts five weeks from now. That's a lot. But I guess on the flip side, I do fall for the Oceans thing. Like watching the trailer and just going, I am going to love this movie. <laughs> and I, I love a good heist. And yeah, the exactly. weirder the location of a heist, the better. And I love that it's at yeah. the, Met, the Met Gala. Yeah. Mm. That's so they can get all these famous people in and just make it beautiful people, beautiful necklaces. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful plot. So Steven Soderbergh um, was the original director of the Oceans trilogy and he was the one who really wanted to push for a reboot with an all-female cast. So the only difficulty in getting this made was getting 
the actors on board and really getting them uh, excited to make this movie with females because they themselves, the actors, I think, were a bit hesitant about how well it would do with only female cast. It's a lot on the line, isn't it? Like you're up against the biggest heist franchise that the world has seen. Yeah. And now there's a direct competition element of like, you know, well, this better be good or else we'll yeah. prove the point that no one goes to see better be as good as the starring boys. women. Exactly. I think that they're in kind of a good position though because if you look at the Oceans franchise, Oceans 11 is so good and the other two are just okay. And people don't say this, but the original one is pretty bad. Oh, the 1961 <laughs> is quite bad, yes. So they're in a great position where the premise is great. And they that they knew that when they remade the 2001 version. The premise of the 60s one was great, but the movie wasn't good. And, and they're in a position now where they've mm. got a fantastic film and two mediocre ones that what's the worst that can really happen? If it's another mediocre one, so what? But it can also be another awesome one. Yeah. I think the point of difference was in this movie is that the characters themselves are all very different. Um, so we've got Rihanna's character who plays a hacker and she's highly intelligent. Um, we've got... Aquafina, who plays uh, a sleight of hand card dealer on the street, and they um, pull all these people in to join their team, and they're all just very different. And I think in the original movie they were just like men, yeah. and that that was, <laughs> that was that was their qualifications, and they were just like, yeah, we'll just rob this casino, that's fine. I mean, uh, I guess to play devil's advocate there for a second, you could also say that Kate Blanchett is just Brad Pitt's character. And that Sandra Bullock is just uh, George Clooney's character and that they're just kind of copying the original counterparts. Yeah, there is that element. Um, well, but then George Clooney is just Frank Sinatra's character. Exactly. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. Literally, um, by name. <laughs> yeah. Do you know this one? No. Debbie Ocean, convicted felon. Her brother, Danny Ocean, more convicted felon. She was present on the night of the incident. Ooh. Sandra Bullock plays Debbie Ocean. Um, which is George Clooney's estranged sister. And apparently she was in jail for the first three trilogies. So she gets out at the beginning of this one and then she's immediately like, nah, I'm going to steal something again. (laughs) (laughs) What I find kind of cool is one of the cast in this is uh, Mindy Kalig from The Office or The Mindy Project. Yeah, she's great. And she wrote a book uh, a few years ago and she actually mentioned that she wanted to do an all-female reboot of the Oceans movie. She pitched something called Oceans 5. But I love that they went and got her and they put her in this movie. Yeah, so there's been that um, need for it maybe for a while and all these women got together and they're all kick-ass and made a good movie. I'd love to see this franchise, this version of it, go on and do five films of their own, overtake the Brad Pitt, yeah. George yeah, Clooney version and uh, make something, you know, that lasts even longer. Maybe mm. they've learnt lessons from Marvel and they're going to spin off uh, the Ocean's 8, the all-female version, and then eventually they're going to do a massive cross Infinity <laughs> War <laughs> version of the Ocean's <laughs> franchise. The Ocean's cinematic universe. <laughs> now, nobody has seen this movie. No one got to see it before it was out, or maybe the cast. So we can't give it a critical review, but levels of anticipation, what do you reckon? I'm so excited for this movie. I love a good heist movie. And weirdly, of all the people I'm excited for, I'm kind of a weird big fan of Aquafina. I think she's so funny and I can't wait to see what she does. Yeah, all the cast are brilliant. I can't wait to see it. I just want to see intelligent, kick-ass women on the screen. Yeah, I'm a great Australian. So anything Kate Blanchett does, I'm there. Oh, absolutely. Now, for your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, we're after your answer to the question, if you could plan a heist to steal anything, what would it be? 
to win, send your answer and contact details to win at thecinemacrew.com.au. And that's in the show notes just below. Do we get to decide the winners or does that go straight to Steven Spielberg? I don't know. Uh, straight, to, <laughs> straight to the Berg. Yeah, right. Next week, we'll find out if Pixar have another instant classic on their hands with Incredibles 2. Plus, Aussie Isla Fisher, John Hamm and Jeremy Renner are playing an international game of tag. Or Chasey. I called it Chase. I grew up in Perth. I called it Chasey. What is it in mm. Melbourne? Uh, no, I, I think... Chasey? Yeah, I called it Tag. Tag? Yeah. It's one of the... I'm so excited for that movie. <laughs> and the latest film from the writer-director of horror franchise Saw. So many horror films out at the moment. So many. Okay, Cambo, Vari, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Until next week, I'm Kyron Wheatley, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.